Hello, I'm Dan. I'm Simon. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article each week and we talk about what we find. Simon, what are we talking about this week? This week, Daniel, we're talking about permanent representative of Colombia to the United Nations. Wow, okay. uh, To give it its full title... uh, Oh, oh, sorry, no, um, I can give you the title in Spanish, which is Representante Permanente de Colombia ante las Naciones Unidas. Uh, Yeah, it's... This is... It's... (laughs) As soon as I randomised, this was true to Clark Tholis's, and this was the first article that came up in the randomizer, and I was like, yes, this is... Perfect. This this is good. Mm -hmm. Um, Because... There's not very much here. Um, so, ba- well, basically, there's. Um, if Dan's intro seemed rushed to you, dear reader, um, that is because we are in a massive rush. Um, this this is probably the the most rapid we've had to be in putting together a podcast because mm-hmm. your life is just so so busy this week. I literally, I've not been in the. Ha- I, I I got into the house as I was setting up. I was frying eggs and bacon in a pan because I haven't eaten yet today. I wolfed those down. I didn't even use a plate. I ate them out of the pan. And then came and sat down, made a cup of tea, called you. I was like, right, I need. To, let's go. Let's do this. I've, I've, I've been on campus all morning um, vocal coaching for uh, ex-university opera society, which is a new society that's just been made. Ah. Um, and they have their inaugural concert on Saturday, um, which is very exciting. Um, but it also means that there's lots of people who are wanting to meet to go over things. And that's... That's my job. <laughs> so before we get on to your vocal coaching uh, and the, a lot of other topics, which I think it's important we we talk about this week, uh, shall we briefly uh, talk about this this article? So mm. I'll, I'll read you the blurb at the, at the okay. top. The permanent representative of Colombia to the, to the United Nations is the permanent representative of the Republic of Colombia to the United Nations. Wow. Cre- I know, right? It's, it's like Fight Club. It's accredited, Accredited... Accredit... Itted. Are you having a stroke, mate? You're right. <laughs> Why can't I read that? Accredited. 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 There you it's go. It's like pocketed it in uh, Harry Potter. In the oh, yeah. Stephen Fry- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he uh, pocketed it as. F- I can't say it. Oh my god. <laughs> I feel I'm being rushed. Because uh, you want you want to say accredited, right? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, okay. I just can't. Glad apparently. Glad we, glad we cleared that up. <laughs> Accredited. Hang on. This is scintillating listening. Accredited. Yeah, accredited as concurrent non-resident ambassador to the Republic of Kosovo and Montenegro. Wait, what? Hang on. Name something that Colombia, Kosovo and Montenegro have in common. Like, what? Why? Why are those folded into one? I have absolutely no idea. So I guess Montenegro. Does Montenegro just not have an ambassador normally? And so they were like, "Well, we'll, we'll kick up their, their responsibilities." You're also representing the country of Montenegro Jeez. and Co- and the Republic of Kosovo as so well as sidelined. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> like, uh, we'll just pawn you off onto somebody else, you know. Um, so the permanent representative is Colombia's foremost diplomatic representative to the UN and chief of mission in New York City. The permanent representative, however, is not the only high-ranking Colombian diplomat in the United States, the other two being the permanent representative of Colombia to the Organization of American States in Washington, D.C., and the ambassador of Colombia to the United States. So those are two different things. That's so weird. The Organization of American States. So presumably that's like both North and South American countries. I guess. I guess. 
and then the, then there is one to the United States, which is what I was expecting. Um, the office holder is charged with representing the interests of the president and government of Colombia. Notice that's not the people, uh, and advancing the relations of Colum- uh, between Colombia and the general world community. So mm. I just clicked on this. Ah, well, yeah, we we were, I think I've got instinct was right there. Organization of American States is a continental organization um, that is like solidarity among South and North American countries. Basically. Mm. Uh, but I have bas- I have read you almost all of the text on this um, on this page <laughs> because oh there's now a list. Basically, the, the, the post was founded in 1946, and there's a list of all the people that have held it since then. The current mm. incumbent is uh, Maria Emma Mejia Vélez. I'm not quite sure how you're supposed to pronounce South American Spanish. I I know how you'd say that in Castilian, and it would sound different, but mm. I, I'm not sure. Um, but it, it's a ten thousand. It's a post that pays ten thousand dollars a month. Oh, I read that as a. Uh, oh, I read that as yearly, and it's no. I think that's ten thousand dollars a month. That's actually pretty good. Um, and she, uh, Maria gets to be called Her Excellency. Wow. So there you go. Congratulations to Maria, everyone. Yeah. I mean, we solved the this problem. Podcast is uh, proudly sponsored by <laughs> the permanent ambassador. representative of Colombia to the United Nations. Yeah. yeah. So I am slightly confused by this, though. Like, so I guess just not every country has a permanent representative to the UN. So mm. smaller countries are kind of allocated to, you know, a bigger. So I'm just going to look at the one for the UK. Mm. Do you know who the UK's permanent representative to the UN is? I've absolutely no idea. It's Karen Pierce, CBE, uh, very recently appointed. She was put appointed exactly two months ago on the twenty second of January. Wow, so that's that's fun. But we don't seem to represent anyone else. It's just you know, the U yeah. for the UK. I mean, I don't know if I pick, but name name an, a, another country. I'll see if they have a permanent representative. France, France. Yeah, France has a permanent representative, and they represent. Apparently, just France as well. Colombia really got the shit end of the stick, didn't they? They could they, they mean, had to represent three countries. France isn't so bad. I mean, I suppose if you think about the UK representatives, they're then representing England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Yeah, I mean, but but they are one entity with regards to, the, to international law. Mm. You know, like yeah. this is where we have our readers who are MUN people are going to come searing in on this. Mm. Um, but I have to admit, as somebody who has had a fair bit to do with the MUN, um, this was that was completely new to me. I had no idea that like sometimes you were responsible for more than one country at once. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm just clicking through a few countries' permanent representatives, and um, there are I haven't found one yet that has another like like multiple responsibilities. Um, mm. Also, at the bottom here, so there's basically there's a box how you, how you have at the bottom of some wiki articles, and there's like uh, permanent representatives to the UN broken down by consonant. But then there's also um, I I knew this already, but I didn't know one of these was. Um, there are also what are called permanent observers at the UN. So for these these are for countries that people kind of recognise our countries, but they don't have voting rights, I believe. Um, right. They they they're there to see. And now do you want to guess? There are three countries or three. Um, yeah, they are countries. Um, do you want to guess who they might be? Kind of a, cl- a, a clue as to where these are. They are these countries in Europe? Are they in the Middle East? Are Two they... are in Europe. One is in the Middle East, and they're all very small. Luxembourg? Nope. Luxembourg has its own permanent representative. Really? Yeah, I know. Hmm. There's two in Europe, you say, and one in the Middle East. Two in Europe, one in the Middle East. Yeah. Hmm. I will give you a clue. We've been to one of them. 
Oh, really? Mm. This was the one yeah. that surprised me. Malta? Yeah, the 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 permanent observers, to put you and our readers out of their misery, um, the permanent observers are the Holy See, which is now, that is distinct from the Vatican City, isn't it? Yeah, the Holy yeah. See is the jurisdiction of the Catholic Church in Rome. It's like the the church itself, as opposed to the Vatican, which is like a territory. Mm. Um, so, th- so that's one. Palestine is another one, because... Yeah. They're a, an international like football that gets kicked around f- seemingly forever, and the last one is the Sovereign Military Order of Malta. Hmm. So That's interesting. Not the country. It's oh, oh, this is fascinating. So I'll read you the start of this their article as well. The Sovereign Military Hospitaller Order of Saint John of Jerusalem of Rhodes and of Malta, also known as the Sovereign Military Order of Malta or Order of mm. Malta, is a Roman Catholic lay religious order traditionally of military, chivalrous, and noble nature. It was founded as the Knights Hospitaller or Hospitalia, or have you pronounce it, circa 1099 in Jerusalem by the Blessed Gerard, making it the world's oldest surviving chivalric order. Mm. So this is an order of knights that have a permanent representative of the United Nations. That's cool. That's so cool. The United Nations. Yeah. I mean, in theory. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. But like it says uh, here that the order is an elective monarchy and ruled by a prince and grand master. Who's mm. the current grand master? That's such a that's such a cool title. Uh, the current grand master is oh it's vacant. You better apply. Yeah, get our applications. How do we apply? You have to download a form. That's probably it. I mean, the fact we're not Catholic might be a problem. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you that the oh these names are fucking amazing. Okay. okay. So there are other representatives in the um, order, and I'm going to mangle these pronunciations, so I apologise in advance. The Grand Hospitaller is Dominique de la Rochefoucauld Montalbel. Right. The Grand Chancellor is Albrecht Freiherr von Berselager. The Grand Commander is Ludwig Hoffmann von Rummerstein. And the Lieutenant of the Grand Master is Giacomo Dallatore. Wow. This is a Dan Brown novel that's come to life. Yeah. That's that, very cool. That's so well, we cool. went to we went to a load of the the knights hospitalier places, didn't we? We did. While we went there. to the hospital mm. um, because that was. I listened to a really interesting in our time about the siege of Malta actually, and about the knights hospitaler um, kind of how they fitted into it. Um, mm. They were apparently very unusual as a religious order in. I think this was in Jerusalem, and that they had a hospital there, and yeah. they were noted for treating anybody regardless of religion which was was kind of interesting um but yeah we went to i think this hospital pre post dated the siege i want to say i think it might have been built after the attack and it was like you know shoring up the island but yeah. it was it was quite a big complex wasn't it how would you mm. describe it it was like this monolith on a hill as we kind of like approached it and it didn't look especially like nighty you know what i mean mm. Like it was just, and, then, and it was only when you when you got inside and we started walking around, and it was just this this labyrinth of tunnels going deeper and deeper into the rock of Malta. It's a really cool place. Hang on, are you thinking of the catacombs, or are you thinking of the the hospital? Because the hospital, the hospital, I did that wasn't on top of the hill though, was it? That was um, I thought that was we we ended up walking downhill for ages, and then like, don't think so. 
Okay, I mean, this was a little while ago. I th- I didn't think it was on a hill, but this is this is irrelevant to the podcast. Mm. Um, but yeah, so we actually have some connection to this. Um, mm. But so here we go. Like, I'm just sort of scrolling down here. Um, widely considered a sovereign subject of international law, the order maintains diplomatic relations with 107 states. It has UN permanent reserve status, as we now know, enters into treaties, and issues its own passports, coins, and postage stamps. Wow. This is, I'd never realised that, like, because this is, yeah, like, the, a massive Catholic order of knights. I didn't know they had that, that whole, you know, passports, knight, uh, coins and, and stamps. That's no. awesome. Uh, the, I wonder what they look like. Oh, I want a stamp. Uh, oh, Knights Hospitaller stamp. That'd be cool. Yeah. So I'm just going to, it also says uh, here, in terms of their size, the population estimate is two citizens. Um, I guess that's yeah. because they're the people that live on their land permanently but it has mm. 13 and a half thousand members 80,000 volunteers and 42,000 employees and, and they are doctors nurses auxiliaries and paramedics uh, in more than 120 countries assisting children homeless handicapped refugees elders terminally ill and lepers around the world uh, without distinction of ethnicity or religion well wow. wow. hive mind right there um yeah. <laughs> i mean subject to further details they sound like a bunch of top lads I do. I mean, so there is a relations with the Republic of Malta. Here we go. So they've they've got treaties with the Republic of Malta, and yeah. they have limited extraterritoriality. I think I said that right. Of the upper portion of Fort St Angelo in the city of Burgu. I don't know if we went there or not. Um, don't think so. And that's like a headquarters. It seems. Wow, this is so cool. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so, you know, from Clark Tholicism has come out trumps again because from an article that didn't really have a huge amount in it, I have learned something really interesting today. Uh, mm. Well, a couple of interesting things. Um, yes, yeah, so, so we're going to we'll, we'll, we'll backtrack then. We actually concluded a tangent. Um, mm. And uh, you are now an opera voice coach. Is that right? Well, this is the thing. So I'm, a, I'm one of the vocal coaches for um, Next University Opera Society. Um, so I kind of do a, I do a bit of, you know, like if we've got soloists who want to go over their pieces one-on-one and then I'll kind of like try and give some advice. It's obviously up to them because I'm not a legitimate voice coach. I just kind of go off what I've learned over years. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to um, say, but like... <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing. So I, I do make it very clear that being like, look, the advice I'm going to give you is what I would be doing in this situation. And I think it would be, it will make your life easier and it will make a more, make for a more pleasant sound. If you absolutely disagree on your, or you, or you just don't get it, then don't do it that's not you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not I, your I boss i can't yeah i'm i'm not i'm not your boss nor do i ha- have like a, a diploma or degree in vocal coaching um but yeah so it, it'll be a mixture of kind of working with um harry who's the the organ scholar of uh, the chapel choir who's a very very gifted pianist and, and uh organ player um mm-hmm. to kind of making sure that things are all together in terms of him playing like continuo parts for different soloists and then working with soloists and uh luke stevenson the md who was the co-md of Mikado with me so we work really well together anyway um just to kind of like plan plan the music and things but it's uh it's gonna be very exciting it's the first one it's only opera soccer has only just really began this this term um it's uh, we're making a pretty good sound it's on saturday at eight o'clock i believe in st stephen's church uh, on the high street of exeter so if anyone's about wants to go um come to that it's already got quite a few people going i think um a, a lot of the music societies on campus are, are trying to go to kind of support it because it's you know like it's going to be a good time to 
make themselves fairly well known, you know. And that should be the immediately after this podcast comes out. So organised readers yeah. in Exeter can get on it. Um, mm. But you, uh, the day before, as we, as we were talking about briefly before we started recording, you've got a very mm. exciting concert. Yeah, so I keep... I, I, part of being comically busy means that you forget about the things that you said that you're going to go and do. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I forgot that I was going to do was um, I'm going to go and see a Dodie Clark concert in Bristol tomorrow which is very exciting um i'm uh i'm not thinking about it too much because i'm worried that what's going to happen is like when like when our famous encounter in um <laughs> in vidcon where i was basically like i'm gonna be fine i don't know what all the fuss is about and then i actually see her face and go um okay no i'm gonna i'm gonna fall over now um so it should be really fun i'm looking forward to it um, I've been I've been listening to lots of her music this week to kind of get back into back into the zone. Been playing some of it on my guitar and ukulele because I'm uh, that much of a fan girl. But it should be really good. I'm going up with Anna and Alice, who are two girls and singers. They've kind of like organised the tickets and the getting there and the getting back. Every now and then they'll message me for money and I just send it to them. You still don't know what time your train is, do you? No, I'm fairly sure it's it's something like nine thirty tomorrow morning. <laughs> Um, so, so you spending the day in Bristol before the concert as well, or like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, so we're going to be in Bristol. We're going to be in Bristol from about half eleven, I think, and then we'll have a wander about. And... I've okay. never been to Bristol, so. Oh, of course, because you um, when you've done the Bath tour before, when we did the Bath tour with Chapel Choir, we did Bath and Bristol. But when mm. you joined, we didn't. Um, so uh, unfortunately, yeah. I have a relatively busy day tomorrow because I've got to get a video out on Saturday. Um, mm. And I also have a driving lesson. I don't know. Have we talked about me learning to drive in the vlog yet? No. Oh, sorry. That's another thing, actually. I started vlogging again. That's fun. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, I've been learning to drive the past couple of weeks. Um, cool. How's that going? It's actually really fun. I was expecting to be terrible at driving. but mm. Because basically, when I was 17, I did motorbike training. Uh, because mm. I didn't want to have to pay for a car. A bike was cheaper and I didn't have to get anyone a lift. And it looks cool. Mm. So I did basic bike training and I really struggled with the gears. There was something in my brain that just wasn't... Because with with, um, with gears on a bike, you change with your left foot um, mm. above, like, imagine like there's a footrest and then there's like a, a little bar that sticks out and you put it up and down to go up and down gears. Yeah. You also have a clutch on one of your hands and then you have the... Um, the accelerator on your other hand so it's three body parts simultaneously just like in a car and because mm. i struggled with the bike i thought i struggled with the car but it turns out actually i've been fine uh i've, I've only had three lessons but we've already done so well, much more than i would expect to, to have done in that time you know mm. like i've gone to the local high street we've done a bunch of sort of like clutch control um going up the the hill like in mm-hmm. sort of first gear um just i don't know it's i, I i've i've taken to it much more easily than I expected to. Like a duck to water. Literally, like a duck to water. Well, not quite like a duck to water. I'm not. I'm not bombing around at like sixty miles an hour completely comfortably because that would be yeah. irresponsible. Um, but also, my hometown is basically com- entirely twenty mile an hour limits. Like it's yeah. it's insane. Like the the even big roads um, because they're quite close to a school. You're just like this feels criminally slow. Like yeah. cars are backing up behind me because they're normally going to do thirty along here, and you know which is illegal but understandable. Um, yeah. Not that I condone it. Um, and I'm just there like oh god, I feel like such a square trundling along at twenty miles an hour. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so I've got a lesson tomorrow morning. Um, otherwise, I would probably and then I have to do all this editing. So otherwise, I would probably come and join you. Um, mm. We will next time. 
next time there's an opportunity we will get you up to bristol and we'll do some stuff for sponge and electric though for sure mm. i am very determined to make that happen i'm really looking forward to having it having a wander around because as i say i haven't I haven't been before. It's interesting, actually, you say that you've just started driving because both of my, both of my younger brothers, um, Oliver passed his test, uh, I think about a month ago, and then Joe passed his yesterday. Oh, congrats! Yeah, so they're both um, they're both on the road now, they're which both is ten years younger hilarious. than me. <laughs> yeah, um, I've not needed to use it. That's the, that's why I yeah. haven't learned yet. I just haven't. Well, it's the it. same. It's the same with me. I, I you know, I, I had lessons in Australia, um, but granted, that was in an automatic as well. Um, yeah. Which, to be honest, I think with the with the added revenue coming in from work, um, I think I might start just do having a lesson a week just to kind of get back into it. Because I imagine when I get back to where I was, it wouldn't be too long until I have to take my test. The only thing that may change that is whether I decide to go manual or not. Yeah, because that's the thing. I mean, I know Americans mostly drive automatic cars. Yeah. Um, and so do most Australians? Yeah. Okay. I mean, certainly, I... I I I learnt and was um, and was driving in a in, in an automatic. Basically, I don't know how unusual the UK is in the I would guess like ninety to ninety five percent of the cars on the road or vehicles on the road are manual. I don't know how it's in my head that's normal, but of course that's because that's what I've grown up with. But I think most mm. people in like certainly Western Europe like drive manual cars, don't they? Yeah, I think it's definitely got its. You know, obviously, if you learn in a, if you learn in a manual car, if if you have to ever go overseas, or you need to hire a car, or you need to get somewhere, or you need to drive mm. somebody else's car, and it's a manual, um, and you've you've only learned an automatic, then there's a slight limit there. But equally, you know, I certainly would, if I if I learn if I learned in a manual car and got a license in a manual car, I'd want to be driving an automatic anyway. So really? part of me is like, well, I just yeah, I it's just it's it's much nicer. Um, and by nicer, I mean easier. Um, yeah, I was going to say because <laughs> you don't have you don't have to do nearly as many things. Um, yeah, I mean, but equally, it comes down to like you know, like a, a, I'd want to take it at some point because there's you know, there's classic cars that I like, and if I wanted if I wanted like an original Mini from like you know, the fifties and sixties, then you're not going to get an automatic. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 a one way thing, right? If you learn manual, you can drive an automatic. If you've only mm-hmm. learned automatic, you can't expect to drive a manual because it's definitely more complicated mm. um you know and it frees you up in terms of travel i think but i don't know yeah. like I, I it isn't as complicated as i expected it to be possibly because i'm coming into it mm. thinking it's going to be horrendously difficult and actually of course billions yeah. of people drive cars so yeah you know um it's not been too bad but the other, yeah the other thing to briefly mention is that i have started weekly vlogging again in fact this very morning i just released the first episode and just before you called me i was putting together the next episode um Mm. i think in my head this is the spiritual successor the much less interesting and much less funny spiritual successor to tom scars uh last week uh Mm. which which works because he's a very funny guy uh i am not so (laughs) there's a slight problem uh with 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 my cunning plan here um but i don't know i've really enjoyed doing it i've missed Mm. doing vlogging actually uh because i haven't vlogged since um like like a weekly vlog since I was in New York. And that was the vlog that never came out because all the footage was unusable. Um, mm. It has been surprisingly fun just to do a little bit every day and like try and find a narrative and to try and work out what this format's going to be. Um, mm. But I feel like I've got a kind of an identity to it now. There's like a set of music, there's a set of fonts, there's a set of assets that I think define the series. Um, yeah. So it's been um it's been really interesting and I'm kind of scared about like doing it 
you know, into infinity now. Like, there's no clear endpoint. I'm just going to do this until people beg me to stop doing it anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little bit worrying because there's sorry. Ah, oh, God, it's a little bit worrying uh, because oh boy, in the new vlog, my um Bristolian came out so bad. Oh, really? uh, there's a moment when I'm talking about editing and I'm like mm. I'm just like so you know this is how I learned but yeah if you want my uh, recommendations <laughs> I have nowhere. Um, but yeah I can't help but be worried about it because like it's different before the, 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 it was the PhD vlogs this is the you want to watch this guy because he's doing a PhD if you want to learn what it is like to do one that's what his videos are about. Now mm. it is a bit. It's like last week in that. Hey, I'm just going to chronicle my life, which is a very arrogant mm. statement. It's like I think my life is interesting enough to merit being chronicled and distributed to a hundred thousand people. Like mm. I, I think I have to be aware at least that that is a very arrogant thing to do. Um, and I think what I'm trying to do with it, certainly this week, because of something which I am going to come on to in just a second, um, I'm determined to try and use the format for good, like to try and communicate useful stuff to people and to engage mm. with interesting things uh, more than just this is what I've been up to. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, because the thing that I've been trying, to, I've been talking about this week and will link into next week is, of course, um, the massive, horrible, horrible stuff that's been coming out of Exeter um, with the the whole, I don't even know what to call oh, it. The Bracton Law Society Gate. Yeah, Bracton Law Society Gate, uh, which for readers who are blissfully unaware, um, I envy you. Uh, basically, a a law society on campus because there are several law societies, aren't there? This is mm. this is one. Um, basically, Bracton Law. If I'm right, I think I'm right in saying that it's 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 the largest and the oldest. Okay, right. One, so certainly one of the societies. Uh, basically, mm. a bunch of people on their committee were in a WhatsApp. And there was these screenshots was leaked um, with really, really unforgivable language and sentiments mm. going around. It was racist. It was sexist. It was everything that you kind of hoped wouldn't be a thing in 2018, basically. Yeah. Um, and it has kind of opened this can of worms of people talking about Exeter in terms of is the institution racist? And is there a problem in the student community? And I have. I was specifically called out actually uh, by. I don't know if you're familiar with Ibs Mo. Um, name rings a bell. So he he was a YouTuber who's at Cambridge who applied to Exeter, but I. Uh, he he did a whole long long video about like how his application he got messed around by Exeter massively and he really he really doesn't like the institution, and so when this incident came up he was like i told you i told you that there was a toxic environment for bmes like black and minority ethnic students um and that this is not a uni <laughs> that I, th I think to paraphrase what he was saying this is a uni that brown people shouldn't go to was mm. basically what he was saying um and i've recently i have since learned that exeter actually has the lowest bme enrollment of any uk uni which mm. doesn't surprise me if you look around campus mm. um and you know he called me out in this video saying Simon Oxfizz, he was very he was very respectful about the whole thing, I'd like to say. It's like, I'm not saying that you're part of this problem. Uh, you are like the GOAT of Oxbridge vloggers. You are like the most prominent student vlogger. Why haven't you talked about this in your vlogs at Exeter? Mm. And like, in my response to him on in a comment, and as I talk about in the vlog, the my vlogs have only ever been, this is my personal experience at Exeter. You know, mm -hmm. this is this is what my life is like. This is what my friends' lives have been like in in Chapel Choir and in my PhD office. And in the weeks that we've been filming, that I've been filming, I racism didn't 
directly affect me because I am a white dude in a very white university. So mm. it didn't directly affect me. And moreover, there weren't any, as far as I remember, I'm willing to be proved wrong, there weren't any massive scandals which happened of this magnitude um, in weeks we were filming. So there, it wasn't like part of the discourse. So it's diff- it was I think it would have been ham-fisted for me to be like, suddenly, let's talk about racism. Isn't racism bad? Um, you know, because I didn't have any personal experience of it, which would have been jarring with the the whole like way that my channel works. And it would have been disingenuous and probably would have ended up being offensive. Um, mm. I mean, do you, uh, uh, do you have a particular take on... Okay, perhaps the question to ask you is, does the content of the WhatsApp surprise you in the context of student society at Exeter? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the whole way that this kind of leak, if you like, has been managed it, it is is poor. The, I think the only reason why it's it's generated such... Because bliss media hellfire and storm um, is because things were leaked on Facebook, which may, I, I don't know, was the right thing to do because the Guild were notified about this. And from what I can... From what I've been told, from having discussing with people who are more closely affected or part of the of the, the issue, um, the Guild said, well, we're going to start conducting investigations. And an individual who leaked the, um, leaked, leaked the screenshots because he said, he, he basically said, um, they're not, they're not, they're taking too long. And that's really damaged oh, how right. everything's going to be managed now. Yeah, so so the the this the student guild, which is the student union at, at Exeter University, um, it was reported to them, and the guild said that they would they'd be conducting investigations, which is how it should be done. It should be managed internally. Um, now the fact that it's been leaked, and you know you've got you know BBC UK wide news reporting on it. In fact, I was walking home from Opera Sock rehearsals just yesterday or the day before the day before. Um, and there was a BBC, that BBC Spotlight interview going on just outside, um, near the chapel, actually. Um, hmm. There was a reporter going through, it's like, you know, kind of summarising what was going on. I, I kind of hung about and had a listen for a bit. But the issue is, the what's been said and the and the conduct of those involved is inexcusable. I, have, I mean, I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm not justifying anything they've done at all. I think, I think there is a, you know... We do. There is freedom of that. You know, there's you know, freedom of speech is there for a reason. Um, I think it was massively. It was a massive oversight on them to have to discuss those kind of things, their kind of personal views in such an apparently public forum, because they were under. The, they knew that there were unknown um, phone numbers in that group chat, um, which is just a. It's just you know, it's a really stupid thing to do. But most importantly, because this leak has happened now. Those involved, I think, should be expelled from the uni. I don't see how there's any, there's no reason to keep them there. And they need, and the university and the guild need to set a really, really strong standard of being like, this is not in any way acceptable. Um, you're gone. And they have already suspended them. The, the students and the society. They've, 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 they've been suspended, but they need to go. It needs, they need to be yeah, formally kicked. Yeah, I, I agree, that needs to be permanent. Kicked. The issue, the other issue too, though, is because of the nature of what was being said in that chat. There's quite strong grounds to take very, very strict and what may appear extreme legal action, as in court and potentially jail, because they've been in. There's, you know, there's instances of inciting racial racial hatred, um, for one. Um, yep. There's coercion, 
Yep. Um, that you know, so there's massive things here, but. Uh, th- those for, for those to go through and be passed in a court is going to be really complicated because the 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 individuals involved will not be able to be granted a, a free trial um, or a fair trial because it's had it's received such massive media attention. Because I mean, I, I I disagree with you. I disagree with you that like the um the person who leaked it was wrong to do so. I I can I don't think no, no, no. so I don't think why they did it. I don't think he was wrong to do it. I just don't. I think he should have waited. There's a process and he didn't give that process fair time. If the guild, from what I've been told, the guild said, we're going to be conducting investigations in the next couple of weeks. And the guy gave it about four days. And then as soon as it goes online, I think it's that's potentially going to do more harm than good in terms of managing this as a case at the university. But I feel like, I mean, I think if I was in that situation, given the severity of what what was being discussed... It's really like it's it is hate crime level. It is really revolting stuff. Yeah. I think if if the an institution that I was at, and if I was a, if I felt like I was um, part of a minority that was being discriminated against by students at the university, if I didn't see action in a couple of days, like I don't I don't understand how the university's initial reaction wasn't suspend the students. Like I can completely understand why they'd be like, "I've got to force the hand." This is, you know, that 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 ties wasn't into their the reaction of me. Sorry, it wasn't their it wasn't their reaction because it didn't go to the university. It went to the guild, and then the guild have to manage it internally and then pass it on to the uni. Which is what I mean. There's a there's a there's a, it, you know, it can it can potentially overcomplicate, but there is a process for a reason. And by subverting that process, I think they're going to be causing more. It's going to just, it's, it, you know, it's going to be causing more issues, not only for the individuals involved who, and don't, like, again, don't get me wrong, they deserve everything that's coming to them. But also, because the because these kind of affairs now are going to be really, it's going to be a massive struggle to handle it internally within the university, the number of investigations and kind of harassment and things that are going to be, affect, uh, the wider community are now going to be affected by, th- this could have been avoided if due process was observed but don't you by think, the university. But don't you think this has drawn much more attention than otherwise would have been drawn to the issues at hand? Like, because the, the difficulty, there's a fundamental difficulty here, which is that we are two white boys talking about this issue. We are not aware of any um, kind of systematic institutional racism at Exeter because we are, aren't going to be at the receiving end of it. And we we don't we're, we're not going to see it, um, because which isn't anything that we can help. It's because we're we're white, right? You know, we 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 just don't. Even if it's right in front of our eyes, even if there are like microaggressions and all these these things that make a kind of a hostile environment for people in a minority, um, we're not going to notice it. Even if it's right in front of us, so it's difficult for us to um, you know, to recognize that there is a problem, and I feel like this. The, the attention that's been given to it has p- potentially kind of blown the lid off it, if that makes sense. Like, it's finally making people see, look, don't you think this is worrying? Like, do, do, do you think this is the only case of this happening? Like, I, I, I feel like the, the the screenshots being leaked, which I, I agree there is a process that should be followed, but the screenshots being leaked, I think, will um, accelerate the process of necessary change at the university and i don't necessarily mean like institutional change more of like a kind of student body student society change if that makes any sense this is the thing i'm i'm you know i'm 
I think it's really, really important, certainly from from my experience at Exeter University. I have absolutely no reason to believe whatsoever that this what's happened here may be a reflection of um, like a, a kind of like an epidemic of institutional um, bigotry. Um, mm. I've I have I have no reason to believe that X University as an institution as has any of that you know their moral compasses that that is is so skewed. I think this is this is a case of privileged white boys. Oh, shock and shock horror they're studying law um having these kind of conversations it's no secret that ex universities kind of demographic of students is is uh, uh, you know the 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 kind of the wealthy or the moderately wealthy um and as such you know i think a, a, a kind of a privileged background is part of that i just think that it's going to it's for something so kind of um volatile as a as a as a kind of a topic and as something that's happened it would be it would be much kind of it would be it would be better process to observe process rather than letting things spiral out and 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 as you say like blow the lid off it because it's already like it's already such a, a you know a, a vile emotionally charged horrible thing to have happened anyway for it now to be receiving um, notice on uh, on like a you know a national or international level, it's just going to overcomplicate things. The you know and 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 again, I'm like super, I'm super super conscious of not trying to say like I do, and I in no way I'm trying to excuse or or or, or soften the blow that, that that the individuals involved to receive. I think they are they they do need the ha- hardest and harshest punishments available because it's deplorable what they've done um, and what they have been doing. Um, equally, there you know, there's, there's, the reason that process is there is to protect the university and the students at that university and the students at the university who may or may, may have been involved or may not have been involved at all but are now going to be caught up in this, this you know, this storm they're, they're, the university is going to find it really, really hard to try and to try and give them that protection. Um, that's what I think it comes down to. Imagine if you're a law a law student. Imagine if you're part of that society, or even if you're studying law, and you've got a mutual friend with someone who was there. You might not even know them, but you're it's but you're now affiliated with that, or you're you're you know you're going to be part of a graduating year whose presidents of a law society in that year were were done for these things. It's going to be it's going to be a massive impact on them. Which is why, if it was managed internally first, and yes, maybe the process would have taken, taken a little longer, but at least they can really they can through those investigations they can they can almost quarantine what's been going wrong and have a little bit more time to think things through and think about how they're going to tackle it rather than having to make any rash fast decisions because it's on the front page of BBC News. But don't you think that the more important thing is the eradication of the of this kind of thinking this kind of behavior i think i think to me i mean this is this is ultimately it comes down to like kind of a a sociological question but like that to me is more important than the safeguarding of people who are by two degrees of separation caught up in the incident like even if they themselves don't have any of these beliefs like i don't know to, to, to me that 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 seems more important to make the campus a place that is welcoming to 
a student regardless of background. And the other thing is, I think we are, again, it's a, it's a limitation of the fact we're looking at this from the position of the majority. I feel like if you are a minority student, as, as in a student in a minority, if you're BME, um, and you feel like the institution, you have a sense that the institution you're at is institutionally biased against you and you feel like the system that is in place to safeguard you and to try and prevent something like this from happening if you feel like that is failing you then it's very much a case of by by taking action and by um uh by by doing something like leaking screenshots you are seizing the power in the situation because you feel presumably completely powerless mm. you know if you are part of a minority and you feel like well the mm. system is failing me like, I have to do something, because if I don't do something, where, nothing will happen. This is where it gets complicated, because, I, you know, both you and me cannot even... We, we can't chime in on the debate of whether a student at X University feels like the institution is 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 biased towards them. Because I, you know, yeah. n- not only would... You, you, we wouldn't have encountered it, nor have I... Or nor do I know anyone... Um, of of of, an, of of kind of minority background who's felt that way. Obviously, if it's, no, if it's same, to that yeah. extreme, then then you've got to yeah, then you've got then then you've got to take whatever action is necessary. But I, that's where I think this debate may spiral into something that that's not what that's not what it's about. I don't think that it is a a, a, a kind of an institution issue. I think it's it ultimately fundamentally comes down to that X university doesn't have enough um, oversight and and kind of control uh, over its societies. I think that's the bigger issue here, and that's that's made, been made clear with the, the, this Bracton Law Society incident. It's been made clear with the rugby um, rugby society. It's been made clear with the safe sex ball. There's been instances where it's been a societal problem um, within within the guild, um, and it again it kind of comes back to this whole issue that we that students at Exeter University talk about all the time in that the the guild and the university are are, in, are are so often in such conflicts not not because they don't agree but they don't communicate that's the mm. that i think is the bigger issue so you think that it, that more regulation of student activities by the guild and better communication mm. between the guild and the university that's the the issue that's really at hand yeah I mean, I feel like, as as we've said multiple times, we are not the people who are qualified to talk about this because yeah. we can only relate on our experiences. And as we said, I think the best that we can do, given that we have a platform, certainly, you know, on my YouTube channel, I have a platform, is to say, look, I am not qualified to be able to talk about this. Mm. Like, you know, clearly mm. I am not. I can't imagine the situation. I think the best we can do is to offer that platform to people who do, who are qualified, um, and that's yeah, certainly exactly. next week. So when I'm down, when I'm down in Exeter on Monday, I've got a friend, uh, Penny, who um, I'm going to be talking to in the vlog, and I basically just want to ask her a couple of questions and then let give her the floor and say, you know, ask: mm. Does this incident surprise you? Do you think there's a problem? What do you think can be done to fix it? The floor is yours. I want you to to say to, to to use this opportunity. What do you think is important to say right now? Um, yeah. because you know I think that's the best thing I can do I don't want to come across as white saviory for one thing like I want I want to be I want to be a person with a, a large platform using it responsibly I think that's the best way to do it but I think the other thing we can do is if there are students at Exeter who are listening to this um, and you 
feel and you have an opinion on this and that can be one way or the other you can agree with um the steps the university has taken and disagree with the, the leaking of the, the, the screenshots. Um, you can disagree with the, the notion that there is a serious institutional problem at Exeter, or you can agree with the notion that notion. I highly encourage Exeter students and BME students at Exeter to email in, and I think I would love mm. to next episode have a, a big discussion of this, because the more viewpoints we can draw on, um, and I think in a way the best thing we can do, that Dan and I can do, is to just kind of take a step back and say, look, we're just we're going to read these emails out, we want your honest mm. experiences, your thoughts, because we've said our piece, and as is clear, we don't, we are not equipped to, to talk about this. Um, yeah, not at all. And, you know, I, I think the best that we can do is to let people who are equipped lead this discussion uh, because yeah. at the end of the day you know we have a responsibility as as owners of a, of a large platform but also you know i know that the university is aware of what we do um and i think it's fair i, I kind of I, what's the phrase I, I i guess i'm trying to give the university a fair trial like i don't want to blindly support the university and say that there's not a problem here at all equally i don't want to um, sort of slate the university without, uh, you know, w- w- again blindly and not reconsider the evidence or the arguments. Um, I-, I think it's important that we try and offer as many sides to this argument as possible with the forums that we mm. have available to us. So, if yeah. you're a BME extra student, email in. I am very interested to get your opinions on this because this is a serious topic. We've derailed our ostensibly comedy podcast to <laughs> to talk about. Uh, you know this horrific incident, which hope you know. I'm hoping we can kind of close the, the the book on it for now for this episode. I'm I'm very interested next episode to open it up again and have more of a discussion. But you know, I, I think it's you know this, this this basically shows how seriously how serious this is, and I hope so we can convince people how seriously extra students are taking this. Um, because yeah, this this podcast is meant to be fun and light and frothy and talk about Wikipedia and. Mm. We've ended up talking about really horrible people. I mean the people. I mean the students. Yeah. Oh my god, that could be taken out of context. I mean the students in the WhatsApp group. Christ. <laughs> god. And we're going to mosey on down now to critics' corner. Um, we're going to ensconce ourselves in this warm little nook oh, this- and uh, discuss that word what again. We've, uh, what we've been watching. We haven't heard the word ensconce for a little while. Oh, it's a great word. It's a great word. Simon, what have you been watching this week? Um, I haven't watched a great deal. There are two things I'd like to highlight, uh, one of which Mm. was live streaming on my telly, the University of Exeter Chapel Choir, singing Evensong, Mm. which... Uh, Which was great. Um, really, it was it was um, surprisingly good quality, actually. Again, I, th- I assume it was Michael's phone. Yeah, well, apparently the last time he recorded it, he used the front-facing camera. Uh, yes, we didn't use it for the Christmas service. The Christmas service was the back camera, but it was quite dark. <laughs> so you couldn't tell. But like yeah. on, the, on the TV, um, quite a big TV we have here, really, um, it looked great. And it sounded pretty good. I mean, mm. the choir sounded great, but like the sound quality... Was was pretty decent. Um, I'll include a link to given that in the yeah, show. Given notes. it's a, a, it's not an especially tech savvy nor effective setup. It's literally a, a phone mounted on a wall going through Facebook. Um, yeah, <laughs> but also they, 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 we 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 used the right camera for this even song, and 
Michael was connected to the Wi-Fi because <laughs> last time he was doing it off his data. Yeah, uh, which uh, isn't. I mean, it works. It's just not the best. Uh, whereas, whereas on Monday yeah. when I'm coming down, we are going to be trying out a new setup with some ex- some nice expensive microphones going into um, like Ooh. a proper bit of streaming software. So I have no idea if it's going to work or not. It, we might end up just using a phone again, but I am I, I've yeah. got an idea that I want to try uh, because I'm hopefully going to be getting into streaming relatively soon. I know I've been saying that for ages, but something interesting has been happening behind the scenes which I can't talk about. But so hopefully it's mm. very soon i'm gonna put, i'm gonna do a couple of trial broadcasts and this is like me putting my fin- my toes in the water and being like oh that's quite warm um we'll, we'll use those microphones mm. um but yeah that that was um that was really good my mum was watching and was like where's dan and i was like oh he's just down there like <laughs> well she described the back row as like um what was it like a row of jagged teeth or like a boxer's mouth or something because you've got Corin yeah. and Hugo, massive tall lads. You and Sam, and then you've got it's Luke on the end of your side, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's a tall boy. Yeah, he's a very tall boy. Uh, Luke spray his goo. That's his name. And did you see Ed's? You you would have seen Ed's new haircut too. Yeah, he's rocking the train spotting look. Can I ask yeah, why? He just I came home. I I don't know. I came home one day and then he mentioned he might do it, and then I got up to work the next day. And then just as I was on my lunch break, he sent me a photo of a load of hair in the sink. And I was like, oh, my God, he's actually done it. He shaved his head. And then it's great. It's progressively getting shorter. He, he's, he's kind of he shaved it to about a centimetre, I think. And now he's oh, gradually geez. taking more and more off until I think eventually he's going to have to. T- I said, like, All right, mate, you've got to commit. You've got to go the whole hog. Take a take a kind of like a razor to your scalp. Yeah, literally. <laughs> go the whole thing. Or like, I want to be able yeah. to put your head into a bowling ball shiner, Ed. And come out and you'll be like it'll be yeah. like the Ferros lighthouse um because yeah. mum i pointed mum was like where's ed and i pointed out he's the dude with the not very much hair and she just like kind of sighed and was like oh i bet he didn't even clean it up afterwards <laughs> my mum has such a low opinion of it there's a plastic bag in the corner of the room in the corner i can i can see it from where i'm recording and that's just full of his hair what he kept it it's um pretty vile why would you why would you keep it i don't understand i don't know he brought it over and he's like do you want to feel it i was like no no (laughs) i really really (laughs) don't want to and the other thing which i watched briefly um uh, before i turn turn the floor over give the bridge over to dan Mm. um i watched uh the new video from captain disillusion which is possibly the best science youtuber parody i think i've ever seen um it's mm. actually because so i don't know if you see do you know have you do you know him captain disillusion have you seen his videos no so he's the dude you, you might recognize him who has um like the lower half of his face is painted silver and he has right um it's kind of a unique style like it's kind of difficult to describe but basically he did this video which is um he was asked to debunk this like invisibility cloak which is clearly using green screen um like just the dude with like a a green cloth except it's blue cloth because he's surrounded by plants and then he does the science of how green screen works and how like you how historically it worked how we do it in editing software and then like how he does it um and uh, by doing it he parodies uh professor um oh god what's it is it polyakov from from um periodic videos what's the dude's name i have completely forgotten that guy's name um i think you're right with polyakov isn't it 
I, I, I want to say that that's my gut instinct. Um, I'm but like sure he does a right. he, yeah, Martin Polyakov. Yeah, I was right. Um, so he, he 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 does like a parody of him to begin with, talking about the chemistry. But he also does like Tom Scott. He does V Source, CGP Grey, um, and Destin from Smarter Every Day. Mm. And it is so good. Like his Destin in particular. Like every time, like an impersonation started, I was like, "Yes." This. Oh, and he does Bill Wirtz. He does like a Bill. And like I was like, "Oh, awesome. this is." I will include a link in the show notes. I implore you. But that is both Dan and the readers. I implore you to watch this, especially because I'm guessing if you know my videos, you probably watch a lot of science on YouTube. It's just so good. It is so well done. Um, I just wanted to rant about that. It's 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 the feeling I got when I watched Bill Wirtz's History of the World. It's one of these things that's mm. like I can I just want to retire because I will never produce anything this good. Um, yeah, and it just like completely blew me away. So Captain uh, Captain Disillusion is just uh, mwah. Um, yeah, that's that's that, that, that's that's what I've been watching basically. Um, so over to you. What have you been watching? Well, I've been. I've been a little bit obsessed with watching videos of the John Wilson Orchestra on YouTube. Of course, we've all been there. John Wilson's a sickeningly, sickeningly talented conductor. There's a great video of him conducting one of the um, scores to Tom and Jerry. (laughs) Okay. Which is unbelievable. But then he also, he's a big fan of of classic, like the, the American songbook. So he did the... MGM overture, which is basically a selection of like twelve of the some of the most famous. It's it's in one big medley, mm. but it's fantastic, and you'll get stuff from um, what was that massive one set in Rome? The Roman Empire. Ben Hur. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So there's some stuff from there. There's some stuff from I think Hello Dolly. This it's really good. Basically, it's from a I'm watching it from a musical perspective because he's just a he's just such. A masterful conductor. It's like what he's he's got a very similar style to Gardner when you watch him conduct, and oh, yeah. that just he he's so ergonomic with his movement, but gets every absolutely everything out of the of the, the orchestra that's necessary. He's it's fantastic. So yeah, I was watching that. I rewatched uh, the live act. Well, the live action um, Jungle Book. Oh 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 oh! Because we went to see that together in the first place, didn't we? Mm, we did, we did. Yeah, but it's on Netflix. So I watched that yesterday, which is nice. Um, so that was yeah, that's pretty cool. And then I've also started watching a really good um, documentary that I actually I, I, I for the other the other evening um, for maybe about half an hour I crashed the Discord. Um, oh, oh, was this and, without and me? Kind of jumped in and, and said I was yeah. Well, I didn't. I wasn't in the voice chat. I was just kind of messaging away for a little bit and then I said right, I've got to be off. I just thought I'd pop in and say hello. Mm. Um, and we were talking, and I, I've been watching this documentary called Wild Wild country right which is it's it's really hard to kind of explain what it (laughs) is um but let me let me i basically i'm going to look it up and try and describe it to you um it's really well made i think it's eight or nine episodes and each episode goes for about an hour and a bit so it's clearly look it's like a huge um huge effort Mm. in making this thing um, yeah, Wild Wild Country is a Netflix documentary series based on the controversial Indian guru Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, um, and it was this. They were it started off in in India and then they moved to America and bought this land in I think Ohio. No, America um, and then Ohio, notedly somewhere. not part of America. Yeah, um, 
they they started they basically had to move out of India because they were trying this the the, the guru and the the kind of this self proclaimed prophet right. who well to prophet to a degree he never claimed that he was God never he, he didn't also degree he was the second coming but he kind of had this weird they had it was it started it received a lot of press attention at the time for being like a sex cult and it was all very strange but they ended up buying this land and building their own city from scratch in the middle of nowhere literally and when I say building a city I mean a, a legitimate city. <laughs> um, they then ended up trying to become their own independent state. I I never I can't believe I'd never heard of them before, but it's genuinely a fascinating watch. What were they called again? Rajneesh. So uh, that's R. If you search um, R A J N E E S H, the guru was was kind of affectionately known known as um, Osho, I think. Um, but. Yeah, he was the leader of the Rajneesh movement, comprises persons inspired by the Indian mystic Bhagwan uh, Sri Rajneesh, also known as Osho, particularly initiated disciples who are referred to as Neo Sanyasins, or simply Sanyasins. They used to be known as um, Rajneeshis, or orange people, because of the orange and later red, maroon, and pink clothes they used from 1970 until 1985. So they all had to, they all basically kind of dressed the same. Um, But it was just, it was really, really. Oh, Oregon. That's right. They 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 moved to Oregon and bought um, this huge, huge, huge patch of land um, called uh, Rajneesh Puram. Right. Um, and like this, the amount of shit that went down was insane. They were like FBI, um, They were accused of poisoning, um, putting putting like poison in the water to try and change time like the numbers you could turn out for voting things because the basically the u.s were trying to get them out the fbi were investigating them and i'm only like three episodes in of these nine and it's really good so if you want just something to flick on you don't it can you can almost treat it like a podcast yeah i mean i, I um, and it's on netflix talk, like if you know if you're doing some editing and it's yeah so it's called um wild wild country you've got to give it the benefit of the doubt because it starts really just kind of like oh yeah okay it's a kind of weird almost kind of like a cult but not blah 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 um but it's it's honestly it's really interesting you get like an episode and a bit in and and suddenly you're like hang on what <laughs> this, like how have i never heard of this this cult so before? i could I, i've been looking for a replacement for making a murderer so i feel like this could be it i think this might be my new watch. Oh, well you'll love this awesome well it's 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 really, really well made. Well, given how, um, so Dan, I think you have to be gone in like twenty minutes. Yeah. Should we take a quick leap into Patreon corner and do a very, very quick Patreon corner? <laughs> Top lad. No, 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 no. Scratch that. That's that's not happening. Hold I need to be horses. out of this house in literally tw- 20 minutes. We need to we're going to go through this. Um guys, we'd normally do our world-renowned, uh, incredibly <laughs> witty and banterous and well thought thought through uh, skits, uh, but this week we're really really short for time. So, I'm afraid we can't do that, but we didn't want to skip out this section because our Patreon patrons yes. mean a lot to us. Um and we love you all dearly. So, without further ado, we'd like to say some thank yous to those who are who are our top lads and our, our, our kind of helping oh, this no. podcast survive basically. Uh- Oh no! I've just noticed something. Okay, carry That's on as happened. you, as you were, uh, as you were. Carry on. You'll see what I mean in a minute. Okay. Oh, I'm excited. I think I know what it might be. 
We've got some thank yous to make. So thank yous to Henry Brewster, Lewis Watson, Eric Davis, Tyler Rooker, Billy Toulson, Elliot Conway, Ben McMurtry, David Scahill, The Moustache Man, Habiba Amjad, Dan Hanvey, Connor Levers, Oh, Locked that's levers. He, he, he corrected us on that, on that last time. Sorry, because it was like crunk pull the lever, not crunk pull the lever, apparently. Okay. So there you go. Connor so Levers. It's lever. Yeah, apparently. Connor Levers. Lachlan Woods. John Mannion. Nicholas. Luke Thatcher. Simon Torseth. Alex Greer. Geordie Eschendahl. Miles Kornfeld. Matt Maguire. Emma Kavanagh. Jay Wright. Angela. Kieran Kelly. Wonderful Stephen, Tapio Kukinen, Davi Shram Vontabel, Simon Vase, and Azagu Nagapan Nagasaravanan. We're very sorry that we had to rush through this, Ooh. but it, we thought it it would be much yeah. worse to just not do this section. Um, so next time, yeah, exactly. Dan, Dan's got Dan's got to go somewhere, and also we've had a bunch of technical difficulties. My West Country internet has been crapping out uh, left, right, and centre this episode. So. We are very sorry, but that is why um, this week it is, it's not as dramatic as normal. But I say it's not as dramatic as normal because I am remiss to report. I'm so sad. I'm so, I can't Team believe Cat it. Team Cat are being supported by 23 patrons. This is it. And Team Dog is being supported by 25 patrons. Come on! Yes! For the first time. I knew we could do it. I knew we'd get there. For the first time in this I'm podcast sorry for history. Simon's going to have to edit that audio. That is going to be the peakiest my audio has <laughs> ever been, but it's worth it. Team Dog, you're amazing. I knew we'd get there. I had faith from the very beginning. Team Cat, suck a dick. <laughs> suck my dick, Team Cat. No. Gracious, gr- gracious in victory, as per. Now, Team Cat, we know what we have to do here. We are the super... Like, just look at a cat. You know that it's superior. Like, and, and what we need to now do is actually move off the sofa, move off of the little bed, and be like, oh, fine, stretch, and then wander over and donate a dollar a month to the patreon.com forward slash the wikicast, putting it under Team Cat, because this is unacceptable. We, we got lazy, we rested on our laurels, and now we have paid the price. And it's like that, that film Cats vs. Dogs with Jeff Goldblum, but worse, if that's even possible. So, cat lovers of the world, unite. I will not stand for this. I don't like losing, all right? Get behind this. Team Dog, it's fine. I knew, I had faith in you from the very beginning. I said we'd get there. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Good boy. Top lad. So, leading on from Patreon Corner, uh, sorry, um, what, there was a name for it, we decided, wasn't there? It was, um, <laughs> what, was I think was what was suggested, which I quite like. We are now so. going to move on into Correspondence Corner. Again, we're very pushed for time. So, I'd just like to note, we do have another fan fiction, The Virtual Adventures of, Dan, of Simon and Dan Chapter 2, which I, I really enjoyed doing the sound editing for last time. I tried to be a bit mm. ambitious with putting lasers in it and, you know, alien roars and stuff like that. So, I really hope that this isn't going to be too difficult, but I will try and do the same for this one. Um, we do have a fan fiction, but we don't, again, have time to read it this week. Um, so we're going to dive straight in. I just want to immediately say uh, an amazing thank you to Johannes Gniers. Not quite sure how you're supposed to pronounce that surname. Um, who has sent us, the, I think, my favourite fan art we've ever been sent. Uh, which is uh, what I asked for from the last time around, the last episode, me being a fantasy priest with a massive hammer, smashing the bridge that we're on, shouting, the gods will decide our fate! 
And the thing I love the most about this is the depiction of Dan, because it's perfect. Like I'm, I'm, so, I'm like a muscly samurai warrior with a massive hammer. How would you describe you in this fan fan art, Dan? Um, well, just a fun little uh, thing there that just happened. Um, <laughs> my my entire laptop nearly crashed, but I <laughs> didn't. I just subtly joined back oh, the call. Um, <laughs> I didn't even yeah, notice. My whole my 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 laptop fans just went mental. I opened up Activity Monitor and Google Chrome had a CPU leak of sixty five. So I was just like, oh, for <laughs> sake. Um, what email am I looking at? This is Johanna's Gneers. This is, I think, the best fan fiction we've ever been sent. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> the gods will decide our fate. It's you. How would you describe you in this part? I look like a I look like some kind of like wood elf. Yes. Some kind of sprite. Kind of fantastic forehead on there. I love it. <laughs> it's so perfect. That is my favorite depiction of you. I think that That's amazing. That trumps you being dr- uh, drawn as a porg. Um, uh, you had us as chibi form like in little kind of cute. I put this on our our fan Facebook page by the way. Um uh, sorry, our official Facebook page. If you want to see it, check that out. But all of our fan art is on there. I think that is my favourite ever depiction of Dan. I've just that's awesome. I've just got to draw attention to that. That is that is amazing. Also, thank you for giving me such a muscly torso. I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. Thick, thick boy. Also, thank you, Johannes, for your little postscript saying Star Wars Episode Eight is absolute huna kaka. Yeah. Uh, completely agree. <laughs> We've got an email here from Ethan. It's, it's titled Best Podcast. It says, Dear Messrs. Moore and Clark, I'm a long-time listener, first-time correspondent, and I'm loving the podcast. It's the highlight of my week. Aww. Anyway, I'm approaching the time where I need to narrow down the list of unis to apply for and was wondering what aspects you guys considered. Also, sorry, Simon, but Team Dog all the way. It's Ethan, him. 16 he and is... 5 eighths. Ethan, I mean, good fraction, good compound fraction, but he is the reason for Team Cat's downfall. I know it. Uh, when applying to uni... Ethan. When applying to uni, um, I I was very stupid. I basically just looked at lead tables. I was like, I want to go to the best university. Um, yeah, that's what I did for English and classics with Exeter. Uh, and that's a very stupid way of doing it. I think an important thing to do is to go to identify the unis that I think lead tables can help. Like I think if you look at the top twenty for your subject or something, like you want to go to somewhere that is respected. But on top of that, go to the universities wherever possible and walk around and just see if it feels like you could live there. Because at the end of the day, it's a town and a university that is going to be your home for the next three or four or however many years it's going to be. That yeah. is the single most important factor, I think. It's 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 can you see yourself living there and feeling at home? Because you don't want to go somewhere, it kind of harkens back to what we were talking about earlier. You don't want to go somewhere where you're going to feel alien, like other. Um that's been important for sure. I mean, what else do you think is important? Other things about uni. Yeah, I think I would definitely consider the kind of the extracurricular things that, that, that the uni has going for it. Music was obviously really important for me. So mm. um, I I looked at what music was going on um, at, at Exeter. Fortunately, there's loads. Um, but then equally just seeing what the what your life would be like living in that part of the country. So, you know, the other universities I look at, looked at didn't weren't so close to a fairly major city. Um, so there would always be plenty of stuff to do, plenty of places to go. Um, yeah, they, they, you know, think think about where you're going to be. I think the other thing to mention is that it, you're never going to make a, a fully informed decision because it, it's changing your life and you have no experience of making this change before. So like, yeah. at, at the end of the day, it's going to be a certain amount of guesswork. I feel reconcile yourself to the fact that it is going to be part guesswork. Um, and, you know, the best you can do is try and, try and base it off other people's experiences. So... 
now because because we live in 2018 um you know youtube the uni and see if there are vloggers at the uni um mm. you know i could definitely say there are exeter um and there are oxford and cambridge um you know like see what life is like for them if possible talk to students especially if you know if you're going to the campus get a sense from them what their life is like and at the end of the day go with your gut i think is probably mm. the best the best thing you can do we've got a happy little email here from george m which is titled just a nice little email dear dan etc prick oh, um, for god's sake hecking only george it's just what are you doing? A, it's just a picture of the what do you even call that when you have your thumb and touching your forefinger so it's like, like an you, okay it's like the upside down okay international and, symbol for okay and if you look at it on your gay. thigh yeah yeah thank you george thanks george that's great mate cheers i mean i already knew dan was gay it's he's having a gay old time on this podcast is what i mean a gay old time we'll have a gay old time there you go we've got an email here from nick webster uh subjected as just saying as a kiwi it hurt my soul uh, to score a try for australia in the top segment <laughs> luckily i'm a masochist love the show nick Oh, sorry, Nick. Sorry about that. It's a Kiwi. It hurt my soul to score a try for Australia. <laughs> it's, it's In my head is Korg from uh, Thor yeah. Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Doug Luckily used to I'm say. I'm a masochist. <laughs> he always used to score tries for Australia. <laughs> I don't know what my accent's doing. I think I should be banned from accents from now on. <laughs> then lastly, we have a happy little email from Renel Weber. Weber? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the nationality. Um... But Rinell, great name, incidentally. I like that. Uh, titled Sirens, Canadian Slang, Nuclear Reactions, etc. Hey guys, neutral, playing it safe. Long time reader of the Wikicast, most recently listening whilst driving to and from work. The other day, I was pleasantly listening to the podcast while driving home when all of a sudden there were sirens blaring at me and I could not figure out where they were coming from. Turns out it was just the newest top lad corner of the podcast in episode 26. So thanks for that <laughs> mini freak out. Jesus, while you were driving too. I might just Sorry, include Rennell. somewhere in this episode. I'm going to include a random air horn, and it was because of you, Rennell. That's just like it's going to be like the uh, uh, Clegane Bowl. What do you hear? What do you see? A mountain, and I mm. hear air horns. Clegane Bowl needs to be a thing. I'm so excited for that trash in the next episode, the next season of Game of Thrones. It will never happen in the books, but the TV series is trashy enough that it will definitely happen. Um, Anyway, uh, so that explains the random air horn. Um, Also, as a Canadian reader, I thought I'd offer a few more Canadian terms and slang to add to your vocabularies. I like this. We have like an Australian contingent and we have quite a vocal Canadian contingent on the the show. Um, Mm. So, a few bits of slang. A toke? A toque? I guess that's toque. That's T-O-Q-U-E. Yes, a, toque. Yeah. a winter hat. I thought a toque was a blunt. That's like another name for a like a a blunt. Okay. Uh, I don't know. That 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 spelled like T-O-K-E. But anyway, mm. uh, a double double, toil and trouble, a coffee with two creams and two sugars. A double double. I quite like that. Um, I don't even drink coffee, and I kind of wish I could use that. And Renell's personal favourite, a bunny hug. That's that's the name for a sweater or a hoodie. I like nice. that. That's I'm, great. I'm just going to put my bunny hug on, eh? Uh, that's, eh? 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the full version of that is bunny hug, eh? Um, yeah. I like that a lot. That's cute. Um, the past couple of episodes, you've been chatting about how people would react in response to a nuclear attack. We have. And it reminded me of the book Barometer Rising by Hugh McLennan. It's a novel based on a true story of a small Canadian town that experienced a similar, though not nuclear, explosion during World War One. Oh, I wonder if that's um, the Halifax explosion. Because that was the most powerful mm. explosion in history until nuclear testing. Um, it was this horrific, horrific incident. Um, so Renelle read it during their Eng- her English degree and would highly recommend it. One question mm. for Dan. I'm not mm. sure if you've mentioned it before, but what are your plans with your English degree? I graduated last year and I'm planning to pursue my Master's of Library and Information Science. Ooh! That's Ooh. cool. Next year. I'm always curious what other English students are up to. So, Dan, floor is yours. What's the plan, mm. Dan? Well, um, I'll be graduating at Exeter with a degree in uh, classical studies in English literature. And then the plan would be, um, unless I'm sick of academia for a bit and then might just work for a year, I'd like to do a master's, um, but purely in English, not not uh, not, not classics. Um, probably in, with something to do with romantic, the romantic period. Um, what, so is that between, is is that that between dinner and bed? Or is that like... Yes. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, it's the taxi um, ride home where you're looking in each other's eyes. That's that's mm. what the masters is going to be on. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'd like to, I'd like to do that, but I don't know where that would be. Um, if it can be elsewhere next to that, then that next to I mean, then that'd be kind of cool. But equally, I'd be quite happy to stay. Um, I'd hopefully be able to stay on at the cathedral. So yeah, don't know really. Yes, but definitely, I, mean, I think a masters is on the cards. Because that is your initial like initial plan is to become a cathedral scholar for the last year of uni and then that's like mm. potentially a whole new world that opens up um yeah. but i i have always been curious i don't think i've ever asked you what the plan was so i'm quite glad that renelle's asked on my behalf um yeah. <laughs> thank you renelle uh, so yeah she says thanks for the ever entertaining content i mean we try i don't think this one's been particularly entertaining i think people got halfway through and are like oh god this is really depressing uh why are these <laughs> why are these two white boys talking about racism still um yeah but we try, we try. brag about it. Yeah, no, brag about it. Uh, anyway, thank you. So you're very welcome, Renell. Uh, Renell W, aged 23 and too lazy to count 365ths. Hashtag team goal. I think that, that's, that's got to count as a compound fraction. It does, but uh, and it, it, it ties into the fact that she's team dog. Uh, yeah. I'm assuming Renell is a, is a female work, name. I, we have been told off before for assuming gender. Um, I just, mm. I've never heard that name before. Um no. I'm having a look. What is the what is the meaning of, of Renell? Let's have a look. Uh, it apparently it is a girl's name, according to babynames.com. A uh, babynamescube.com. Um, it's an African American baby name. In mm. African American origin, the meaning of the name Renell is two dots. <laughs> and apparently, wow. uh, apparently, its uh, number is six. Oh, um, it's related to royalty. Reiner is king. Reina is in as in like R Y N A G H is queenly. Um, so maybe Renelle means like princess or something. Maybe. Or this could just all be bollocks. I don't know. Uh, I've never Who heard knows? of it. I like the name. I really like Renelle as a name. Um, yeah. Of course they might be male and using a female name. That's absolutely fine. But that's basically me trying to justify just jumping in with the female name assumption. Anyway. <laughs> Um, is that I think that's all the uh, time we have actually for emails. So, like I say, we do have a fan fiction, but we will be reading that out not next week because Dan is such a busy boy. There is so much going on that we literally couldn't find a single slot next week to record. So, yeah. 
next week's episode, which will be a special. That's going to be fun, actually, because we've got a guest with us. Mm. And we're going to be reading a fan fiction. Um, the, the following episode will be in two weeks. So not only are we, are we shafting you with a short episode that's really depressing this week, you're also going to have to wait a, a whole extra week to get an episode with a terrible guest. Um, but b- more on that in two weeks' time. Yeah. So, Simon, what have we learned today? Well, Dan, ostensibly, we learned about the permanent representative of Colombia to the United Nations, and also the fact we that totally I couldn't did. pronounce the word accredited 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 there you go. yeah we got it in the end i there. pocketed it um but that was what we landed on with thanks to clark tholicism but yes. uh, we learned that uh, the diplomatic representative also represents as well as colombia kosovo and montenegro and we also mm. learned that the sovereign military order of malta has permanent observer status at the un which means that it's just a bunch of knights who have a bunch of really cool sounding dudes in charge and apparently mm. they actually do pretty legit sounding uh, medical work irrespective of religion yeah. which is gotta say that Always was a nice good. surprise at the end of that article um so yeah. that was what we talked about we talked about um the whole scandal at exeter for quite a while because it is a very serious topic and we wanted to give it you know appropriate due consideration yeah consideration and we would like to invite you if you're a bme student um at exeter to write in and we would love to showcase your opinions and use this platform as an agent of change uh, because we are limited in what we could talk about yeah likewise if you're another if you're another student of another university or someone who in the workplace has has had to encounter something of of similar um kind of you know similar gravitas um, then, uh, then, then email in. It's, it's ultimately it comes down to the fact that Simon and I are ill-equipped to to truly discuss this topic. So it makes sense for us really to use this more as a forum for you guys to to, to talk about it, um, and yeah. and for us to uh, to us to learn something on the way. And whilst you're whilst you're considering stuff to email in, do send us an emails for two weeks time um, because we have a guest with us. Uh, not going to reveal who that is. I know plenty of you know who it is anyway, but please do send your emails in. Also, it would be great to have a good crisis corner. So if you are a reader in crisis, if you have an issue that you'd like for us to talk about um, with the guest, um, we will anonymize everything that's sent. Just make sure you include crisis corner in your subject line and. Mm. I think that is my favourite part of the podcast delving into that so please do send those in Uh, we had a super super brief Patreon corner again apologies for that we'll make up for it next time and we had a super brief correspondence corner so it was quite a varied episode short but but sweet well it wasn't really sweet it was short but plagued with racism really Um, yeah Short and informative, hopefully. And that's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. You can like us on Facebook. And if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. BME student experiences, crises, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Incidentally, Dan forgot that email earlier when he was trying to sign into the Patreon. He was like, we spell spongy with an E, don't we? (laughs) How many episodes have we done of this, Dan? Literally, we've been going for too many. I was just—I think my brain's just not working, much like my laptop is at the moment too. It's just having my brain is leaking, yeah. my, like my CPU. <laughs> your brain is leaking, and your laptop's clear for takeoff. That's where we're at at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Join us again for another tumble down the Ricky uh, Ricky <laughs> Wabbit Bowl. <laughs> this whole I episode is it. a shit show. <laughs> I just can't. I'm like, I'm literally, all I've got going through my head is being like, oh, do I have all the music in my bag for I'm going to be going through until literally until like chapel rehearsal tonight at six. So it's going to be hours of just anyway. Right. You're not, you're not accredited. You're not accredited with the appropriate skills. (laughs) 
This has been such a fucking train wreck. Like, what? What even is this? Why? I'm grabbing the microphone right now. Readers, why? Why do you listen to us? You're too... Readers, you're too good to us. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you for putting up for our just inane babble. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole, and And we'll we'll see see you next time. time. Anything else like to go wrong? Please step forward. Roll up, roll up. (laughs) Technical difficulties. Behold, the amazing shite internet connection. The woman with a beard. Ed's bag of hair.